The day this was recorded, I had just come home from a Harry and the Potters concert, so I brought a little along with me. Thanks, Harry and the Potters, for giving us permission to share this. This is our drummer, Bill Weasley. He's half werewolf. He will tear it up on the skins tonight. This is the song we read the day we found out that we're a wizard. It was a real special day for us. Sort of like a, a wizard bar mitzvah, you know? I'm a lonely girl. I live beneath the staircase. My cousin is real fat. My life a sad state. The Dursleys are my guardians. They are so mean and evil. If only I had some magic powers, surely I could make them tremble. Oh, for the drive is where I lay my head. I wish that I could go to another place instead. I was a little worried I would have trouble hearing you guys tonight, but it seems to be okay. That's good. The concert was extremely loud. They were actually passing out earplugs. Mm. Yes, so. that would be a good thing. Yeah, well, I didn't take any. They were mostly giving them to the kids. Because they invited all the kids up front, and then they got really, really loud. It was a good show. I suspect if I ever actually do manage to see a Wizard Rock show, I'd take my earplugs just in case. Mm -hmm. What gets me is we're upstairs in a library. And I just want to know what the people downstairs think because it is so loud. And then everybody's jumping up and down on the floor. So the ceiling above them is like shaking. That's how we only play when we're inside libraries. And all this loud music's coming through, and, you know, it's in a library. They have got to learn to hold things on the ground floor. No, they haven't yeah. figured that out. When does the library close? I mean, if this was, you know, like you're, like 5 o'clock in the evening, I thought li the library closed. If I, I thought this the library would be closed. to 5. No, the library was wide open. Yeah, it just seems very strange to me. I guess if it's the sort Maybe of we thing just have that no money anybody, they'll know to come upstairs. closes early during the summer, stays open, like, later in the school year. Mm-hmm. Because there's kids there, but you get close to like five in the summer. I had to walk several blocks to get there. So I'm trying to get my foot right. So Molly, well, I guess I should find this and uh, put it up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Have you find talked it. to her about it, by the way? Arnold? Uh, yeah. She knows we're doing it, yes. Okay. I thought about posting something about it on the live journal entry, but I thought I remembered hearing you say you'd already told her, so... I actually wrote to her on Melinda's list and said, help, give me the link, because the forum sensors are all messed up and we can't find it anymore. 
Oh, and did I tell you that for some reason it didn't fix in some places. Like, the schedule was still all the funny names. I changed all the names, I think. Okay. I no think worries. I got all the the links, but some of them might still be potato.net, but... We'll figure it out. So you've turned the sensors back to normal, mostly? I turned it back, but for some reason some of the words didn't change. I have no idea why. Didn't change, turn back, because most of them did. I don't know if it's because you edited it during the time that this was happening, so it registered it as, as, as you having actually posted the word potato. Because it, obviously it wouldn't change, like, talking about potatoes into talking about fanfiction, if that, mm-hmm. like, phrase, that, wherever that word occurs, but... And there's still some incidents of boat boat and uh, mm-hmm. open mic and stuff like that. Yeah, I know that when we did the pirate, talk like a pirate thing, it had trouble changing stuff back. There's words that have, you know, bad words in them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of those Like Sue and her hoe. Yes. My poor hoe. It's very sad. <laughs> I just think this is the most hilarious thing ever. I mean, that is what inspired changing random words like potato. I know. And the weird thing is, it's like you can say whore. It lets yeah. you do can that. you say whore? I should change that then. That's not right. And, and I think you can say, and isn't, I mean... Isn't the slang ho, isn't it supposed to be H-O? I think so, yeah. I think so. It's not the garden tool H-O-E. So you can do H-O, but you can't do H-O-E, which I just thought was hysterical. Yeah, I let my preschoolers play with shovels and rakes and ladies of the night. See, I think that's funny now. now. I went to work and told everybody. Uh, Our house has weird pressure things. Somebody just opened a door at the other end of the house, so my door here creaked open. <laughs> yeah, that, that happens sometimes. It's like pressure or something. I don't know. It's like when you have a window open and the door slams shut. Mm-hmm. Even you give it like a gentle nudge and the door slams. Yeah. yeah, the doors around here do that all the time. I lost my cat sometime in the middle of the night. He disappeared in my apartment because the dog's in here. There's nothing oh, yeah. so funny as to watch the 10-pound cat scared the 92-pound Rottweiler to death. She won't come in my apartment if he's in here. I have to drag her in because she's terrified of him. And she was sleeping on her bed. He was sleeping in bed with me. And I moved and he got mad and got up. And I never saw him again. I haven't seen him all day. So he hid and then I just propped the door open and hopefully he got out at some point and he's not going to like show up and scare me while we're podcasting because that would not be good. I love this. Trisha posted this the other day. She has a tag that she runs, she wears when she runs, some sort of pass or something like that. And the cat was playing with it and she couldn't find it. And she said she took the cat's face in her hands and said, I know you were playing with it. I need it. Find it for me. And she went to the bathroom. When she came back, the cat was sitting next to the tag. <laughs> Very nice. Maybe her cat is like Crookshank. Oh my gosh, it could be the one gay unicorn. The one gay unicorn. Yeah. Oh my God, no, we also should. with wings. No, let's make the four goofy houses to be, like, stuff from the podcast. Like, Hufflepuff can be the one gay unicorn, and, you know, different, like, mascots from the, like, podcast lore. That would be fun. The House of Bernard. The yeah. House of Bernard. I think we did that one once, but, yeah, mm-hmm. we could. Yeah. Just different. I'm sure if we sat down and yeah. thought of the think of four. There are a whole bunch of ways we could do it. Like we could even make basically a founder's fic where for some reasons they did different things and therefore got different names and yeah. Or even or the, the same names but were, different. The founders of Pig Farts literally were the one gay unicorn and Bernard. Maybe, <laughs> maybe two other animals. Well, let's see. We could have a bat. Think of what else? What was the Platypus. bat? That was Dang. the fruit bat that flew in and scratched Jen. Well, we could have all of Jen's creatures that she faced. There'd be the, the possum and the bear and, and the, the bat. bat and the <laughs> Ryan's maggots. <laughs> or go. Ryan's pigeons. Ryan's pigeons, yep. That would work, too. Yeah, it could be fun. We'll fireplace bird. Yes. Oh, God. The dead fireplace bird? So the no. De- that was my fire. He mocked my fireplace story. He did. He mocked it a lot. Now I'm imagining a story where someone comes new to the school or whatever. Oh, hey, I get the house with the phoenixes. That's really cool. Oh, no, no, actually, that's a regular bird that's just on fire. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, um, crap, I lost my train of thought. Oh, the, the spoiler donkey. <laughs> <laughs> 
dear. There's always All right, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I keep taking us off track. <laughs> yes. I'm horrible. Well. All right, Molly okay. Weasley. Molly Let's Weasley. Okay. Yeah. For Friday, April 13th. This is episode 141 of Potterfic Weekly. Welcome to the place where the story never ends. Happy Friday the 13th, everybody. Next time. Previously on Potterfic Weekly. Where would you like to start, Sue? Well, let's start at the beginning. That would be awesome. My resolutions for this Potterfic Weekly season is not to snort. Welcome to Potterfic Whatever. Oh, Scott. Did we we lose Scott? Okay, what did I miss? Am I surrounded by Hufflepuffs? You yes, are. you are. Yes, you are. Apparently, <laughs> I'm Jen, and I don't know my outfit. No, she's the poster child for our podcast. Shit. I snort. I think I need more meds. My meds have kicked in, I can tell. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, that's two. That could possibly be three. Moving right along. I felt like a rock star. Just really big knickers. Pants are your underpants, not oh. trousers. Waterpick Weekly, defining strange terms for your edification. But <laughs> <laughs> I was planning on getting grammar anytime soon. Really, honestly. Saxon Snorkax, two of my favorite subjects. I love Snape. You are quite possibly clinically insane. In the nicest sense of the word, of course. We'll always laugh before the end. I order think we please where the story never ends. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to Potterfic Weekly. I'm Sue. I'm Scott. And I'm P.S. And Kelly will be joining us later, we think. Today we are going to talk about Molly's Tale by Arnold. How would you say that, Scott? Um, Arnell? Arnell. Arnell, maybe? It's hard to say. Arnell. We are reading it on phoenixsong.net, but you can also get it through her live journal. Which has fish on it. It does. does. And she goes by Arnell63 there, because apparently there's already another one that hasn't actually posted anything. There we go. And this is just a one-shot, and it just kind of goes through Molly's... Well, basically, it's the seventh year, kind of, uh, mm-hmm. by Molly's reckoning. Point of view. Yeah. yeah. It's various episodes in Molly's life. And most of them revolve around Molly cooking. Yes. She it seemed, made me hungry. <laughs> she seems to cook when she's upset. Apparently made the author hungry, too. She kept having to go and have a grape and a cracker or something to stave off her cravings. <laughs> Well, I love that. And, of course, on my way home from the concert today, I was listening to, well, I don't even remember what episode it was, but the one where Mike informed all of us who could cook and who couldn't cook and that Death Roll's spaghetti wasn't good and all of that. So You have to find out what Death Roll ate for dinner. Spaghetti. Do you mean spinach leaves or what, what are we talking here? There's another type of spinach. Not the leaves, but where it's like all mushed up and nasty. Why would you like- put that in pasta? That would be the leaves, Mike. Cream That's spinach. what happens when you cook it. So you, had, you had spinach leaves. You had, how much garlic did you put in? I didn't make the sauce, Mike. You didn't make What the hell was How do you know there was spinach in it? Mike, I'm not Italian, okay? I don't insist on fresh-made sauce every time. I didn't mean to grind the tomatoes up yourself. I expect you to put stuff in the sauce. It came from I the was can. trying to eat quickly before the podcast. How'd you get spinach? He's like, you mean there was sauce with spinach pre-mixed into it? Okay, Mike. This is a concept that is fairly new, but they have different varieties of sauce at the store with different ingredients emphasized. But how did, is it in the pasta or is it in the sauce, these ingredients? Mike, I have you up. never seen a can of spaghetti sauce? I give up. I, I, I give up. A can of spaghetti sauce with, with spinach leaves floating in it before I put them in. Oh, I'm sure they have different kinds. I've even heard of sauce with garlic pre put in, but I've never heard of sauce with, like, spinach. This one says garden veggie on it. So the garlic was from the can, too? You didn't even add the garlic yourself? I am not what you would call a chef. Well, do you own a garlic shaker? I mean, like, or you own garlic in any form in your house? Yes. And what, what, what form? 
bulbs. To keep vampires away. Yes, to keep vampires so away. Had garlic bulbs, you could have done it yourself. I could have, but, but as I said, I did not have time before the podcast. I barely <laughs> finished reading the right. chapters before the podcast, which is a huge improvement over last week. If we gave you unlimited time and you were making it yourself, what would you put in your sauce? All you have is plain tomato sauce, none of these weird, creepy ingredients. You're doing it all yourself with fresh ingredients. You have unlimited time. What are you putting in your sauce? And that, my friends, is going up on the Mike Awards. Weird, creepy ingredients. Yeah. It's not like he's putting marijuana in it. (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't know. My spinach leaves and my vegetables are sitting in a container for two months before I put them in my spaghetti. I label that as weird and creepy. Because it wasn't legitimate spaghetti because he... Yeah, he didn't was make it, it from he scratch. from a box or something? Yeah. It was spinach pasta in a jar. Oh, dear. So, it was funny to be listening I mean, I to probably, I burn dinner. Yes, you do. And I'm an awesome cook, but I can't bake. Who, I think, is the queen of baking, I imagine. Eh, no, I'm not a great baker, but I can bake. You just seem like a baking person. Yeah, well, yesterday I made apple-stuffed pancakes and... The oven hadn't gotten switched from broil back to bake. Oh, no. Oh, dear. So I (laughs) stuck them in the oven because you, you know, put it in the skillet and you put the skillet in the oven. And I went to sit down, set my timer for 50 minutes and I went to sit down and I was like, something burning. And I went over there and I was like, oh, no, it's on broil. So the chickens got pancakes yesterday. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. The funny thing is I am better at baking than I am at preparing non Baked goods. <laughs> there you go. But right now just we do have a little of everything. Molly cooking. Mm-hmm. And it's apparently the middle of the night, and she's got scone dough going in one bowl. She's waved her wand, and two knives are busy cutting the butter, which I love. I want I want this power. Mm-hmm. And she's already made a chocolate cake. She's just finished making treacled tart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wanted to look up. I've always wanted to make treacled tart. I tried it once. It didn't turn out at all. Oh. I, I tried it beyond leaky, and it, it was awful. Mm-hmm. So. Treacle is apparently a source of molasses. Mm-hmm. That helps. Yeah, it had a lot of molasses in it, as I recall. So Their butterbeer recipe, though, is pretty good. And she's got potatoes boiling, and she's making bubble and squeak, which is fun. And she's pulled a shepherd's pie out of the oven that has a mountain of mashed potatoes a full six inches above the rim of the baker. And I'm thinking to myself, that's a lot of potatoes. It is. She does tend to cook large amounts. Mm-hmm. Well, she has eight children. That's true. This is true. Eight, and one seven, of them I is, don't know. One of them Take is count. Ron. Yeah. So, and we have Ginny come very quietly in and say, you're worrying again, Mom. And Molly's like, how can you tell? And she's like, well, you've cooked everything in the house. And you're cooking it for the morning. <laughs> and you're making everybody's favorite. Ron and Hermione's favorite stuff. Yeah. And now it's only the three of them that are home since the wedding because everybody else left and the trio has gone on the run. So... There's no way Molly and Arthur and Ginny are going to eat all this food. This is, it's really sad. I haven't thought that much about them during this time period. I mean, you think a lot about Ginny at Hogwarts, and then you re- you think about them again, or at least I do, after they go to anti-murials when it's, they're in real active danger. But I haven't really thought, about, thought much about them during the month of August when they're waiting when everybody's like, oh, Ginny's still at home, but the trio have already left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It mentions, because I think it's in this section, they, it mentions that they know where they are. Mm-hmm. Right. Somebody's Bill spotted a light in Gribble Place, I mm-hmm. think. Someone did, anyway. Yeah, I think you're right. It was Bill. And Arthur had sent them his Patronus, which I'm not sure if that really proves that he knows where they are, because I get the impression that you send the Patronus to a person. And it could, they could be anywhere, it just knows, but mm-hmm. maybe not. Yeah, but they, I think they know that they got it. Not necessarily okay. where they are, but my impression I know, is he knows I, he I seem it. to remember, and this is bad because I haven't read the book in a while, but doesn't he say not to send one back? Yes. So I assume that's to protect their location. Right. Because, you know, some fics have it where you can trace them somehow or another, I think. But And I also know. they're probably watching the house. Because they get in and out by apparating, like, right off the doorstep while they're wearing the invisibility cloak. So even though 
they can't see the house. The Death Eaters who don't know the secret wouldn't be able to see the house. They would at least know where the house is. Mm-hmm. Because I imagine that that's more or less common knowledge. So if they see a Patronus going in and out, it'll confirm to the Death Eaters where they are. Right. Yeah, that makes some sense. Certainly an interesting time to have something written about. You're right, not a lot does get written about it. It's one of those periods that mostly gets skimmed over because nothing's really happening. Right, but we know that Molly would be worrying because that's just the kind of person that she is. And I totally can see a worried Molly cooking. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's not a stretch at all. Yeah, she cooks a lot anyway, so mm-hmm. that being one of her comforting things is makes a lot of sense. Right. So Ginny lets her know that she's worried too and, you know, that they found a note uh, in Ron's things saying that they would contact him when it was safe. And Molly says, you know, I really don't think that he meant for us to actually find that note. I think it was just an accident. And mm-hmm. so He didn't have time to really finish writing it yet mm-hmm. before they had to go off. Yeah. And it, oh, it was Charlie that saw the light in one of the windows, not Bill. Oh. Yeah. And they mentioned a number of times in Which, that- Wait a second. Does that make sense? Because how can Charlie see the house? Well, I think, because he- I think all of the Weasleys have been told the secret of the house. And I think once that you have knowledge of where it is, then you can see it. It's not invisible mm-hmm. to you anymore. So if he flew by, he would be able to see a light in the window. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not like the movie where they stand there and it, like, shows up out of thin air. I think it's always well, I thought, there. I thought that was just the first time you were... Because as soon as Harry is told the secret, the house does push itself out. Mm-hmm. And I, then I assume he's able to see it for the rest of his life. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's happened with Charlie. He's just gone for a fly, and as he's flying, he's noticed, oh, yeah, there's light in the corner. But he doesn't hesitate or stop, because if somebody's watching him, then they'll know where to look. But if he's just flying through London and happens to notice something, then he wouldn't necessarily have led anybody to where they are. Oh, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. And they do mention a number of times in this story that she keeps looking at the clock, but everybody's hands are on mortal peril now. Mm-hmm. So it's never any help. Right. I think that's a canon detail, but it does just sort of bring up how tense everything is. Oh, yeah, I agree. And yeah, what's the use of the clock if everybody's still in mortal peril? I mean, it doesn't really work at all anymore because you mm-hmm. kind of know everybody's mm-hmm. in mortal peril. And before you knew when Arthur was leaving the ministry and traveling to come home. And now she's surprised when somebody knocks on the door. Because everybody's at the same spot. So, yeah. So Ginny's going to go back to bed, but first she's going to help put together some of the tarts. Mm -hmm. And Molly's... They finish up some custard tarts. Not sure how she's going to do next year. You know, she's like worried about her in the upcoming school year. And saying, you know, you have to be sure to send us an owl and let us know what's going on. Yeah, as much as she can anyway. Mm -hmm. I think it's an important detail as well. Yeah. And then we switch scenes and we're at breakfast the next morning. And of course, Molly's cooking again. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she calls Arthur and Ginny to come down and eat. And only Arthur shows up because Ginny's out flying Ron's broom. Yeah. Which you get the impression she has done a number of times now. Mm-hmm. And the reason that they think she's upset is they f- we find out that Severus Snape is confirmed as the Hogwarts headmaster. Because mm-hmm. that's one of the things they were discussing in the first scene was, do we know who's being headmaster now? And they don't. And they think maybe it could be a Pagonagal, but no, they're pretty sure that uh, they wouldn't let her. Mm-hmm. It's a ministry in the state that it is. Yeah. So, so yeah. Now they know that Snape is going to be headmaster, which is not exactly a comforting thought. No, it's not. And we know that the Caros are going to be there as well. And mm-hmm. Arthur says, well, she doesn't know who they are. And Molly says, oh, I think that she does. Because she was there when Greyback hurt Bill. And yeah. She can barely get that out because she's close to tears. She might not know who they are, but she'll recognize them when she sees it. Mm-hmm. They were there. They talk about muggle studies, and Molly said, well, she's not interested in muggle studies. And Arthur said, I think it's going to be compulsory, and everybody's going to have to go. Yeah, It's not going to be exactly the muggle studies it was before. No, not at all. And then Ginny comes in, and she's all windblown and happy. She looks happy until she sees the newspaper. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, she's like, how, how can the governors do this? They know that he killed Professor Dumbledore. Why haven't they had him arrested? And Molly says, well, your father thinks it's because you know who's taken over the ministry. And the governors have no say. And she's like, it's just like Umbridge all over again. And they're trying to convince her to keep her head down a little bit. And Jenny, of course, is having none of that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can see it. She's come from this, she's a scrappy girl. She's got this family full of brothers. And she's not going to let anybody step on her. And if she's got to go to Hogwarts to fight, then by golly, that's what she's going to do. And mm-hmm. if she can bring it to Snape and make his year as miserable as she thinks he's going to make hers, she's going to do that too. And I feel like she definitely felt like she needed to do something. I think she felt, I think she felt left out when Harry, Ron and Hermione didn't take her with them. Uh huh. I mean, she's not, she is not of age. So they, the, the trace would have gotten her right away. Right. So that makes sense. But I think she still feels useless. So I think she wants to do something. Definitely. Yeah. And, you know, she says, I'm already labeled as a blood traitor. I might as well just do what they already think I'm going to do. Why not? Molly really tries to convince her not to go that way, but it doesn't work very well. No, it's not going to be easy for her. And Molly is, I think it's the next day or shortly after anyway. Mm-hmm. I guess it's a little while. It is after. no. If it's, if it's the day of the of the breakout or the whatever the ministry, I think it was yeah, the, the next break day. Yeah, the ministry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's been a while, but she has already been cooking a lot. So mm-hmm. she can't cook anything more. She's used everything up. Yeah. So she's knitting instead, but instead of just knitting one thing, she's got five things going. And she's mm-hmm. kind of pacing and, you know, I can just see her. She's in the living room and all these knitting needles are click-clacking away. And she's just kind of pacing from one to the other to the other to the other. and Yeah, just crazy. And she'll end up with some fairly misshapen things, I expect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe one of Hagrid's circus dance or something. <laughs> and uh, I can see that Arthur walking into that, she's going to go, whoa. Mm-hmm. So she's heard about the break-in at the ministry, and, and she wants to know what he knows. Yeah, and he has worked out that Reg Cattermole in the elevator was probably Ron. Yeah. He's kind of feeling good about that, even though they were only together for two minutes. It was still nice to know that Ron was fine, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she wants to know if they escaped successfully, and he says, well, I don't think so. You know, somebody was able to grab a hold of them in the toilet, so the grim old place isn't going to be safe anymore. Yeah, that's compromised. Yeah. Of course, she says, well, let's go eat, because I've got bubble and squeak and shepherd's pie and yeah, this yep. and that and another thing. And, uh-huh. So they go and have some dinner. And we've seen change again, and now we have a letter from Hogwarts talking about the ill-fated robbery of the sword from Snape's office. She's made a whole different menu of things. Yes. Some pasties and some soup and some stew and her first attempt at French ratatouille, which things worked out pretty well. (laughs) (laughs) Not to mention a raspberry fool and some spotted dick, just because those are Which is Ginny's favorite. Yeah. And she's just fuming. Why would they do such a stupid thing as to break into the headmaster's office? Obviously, they were going to be caught. Yeah, Mm -hmm. she doesn't quite know what was going on, so it's just driving her nuts. And who should arrive in the midst of all of this but Fred and George? (laughs) I love this part. Well, why don't you take it? Hey, well, Fred and George come in and... I'm not, I'm not real good at this summary thing. <laughs> we probably do it too much, so there you go. Mm-hmm. Well, they notice that she's making Ginny's favorites because Ginny's causing trouble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they've heard on the grapevine in Diagon Alley all the stuff that's going on. Mm-hmm. And they're very they're very encouraging of Ginny. Yeah. To the Which point... Molly is not so happy with. Yeah. Molly's like, did you encourage her? Are you nuts? And they just go quiet and sort of look in opposite directions. And mm-hmm. she's like... Uh-huh. Yep, they did. <laughs> That's it. I like that they've come specifically to find out about the letter. But I like that they know that Snape isn't bad. I mean, they're implying it because they're saying, Oh, look, he sent her into the forest with Hagrid. He must really like her. Because they know that she's perfectly fine in the forest with Hagrid. 
they know that she's probably been in there before and that it's not a big deal. Had it been some first year or someone that had never been there, then yeah, that would be a big deal. And they are really making light of it. And that's when mm-hmm. Molly starts to really melt down again. Because she has found out about the Cruciatus curse mm-hmm. in detentions, which they didn't know. No. Yeah, that kind of shocks them. Yeah, they had no idea that that was what was going on. And now they're feeling really contrite. As, of course, Ginny would never tell them. She just said that she's been in detention a couple times, and they're going, hey, detention, good for you. You're pissing off the mean and evil people or whatever. Mm-hmm. Send off some more wheezes for helping out. Yeah. And we find out that they've been sneaking wheezes in. Uh, and Molly says that there's no way they'd get past the sensors. But I think the twins have kind of worked something out because we know they were sending love potions in as mm-hmm. hair tonics and stuff like that. So I, 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 I assume that from the way that they're talking, I assumed that Jenny had gotten stuff from yeah. them and that she was using it. Mm-hmm. And I think it says in canon that the way some of the people at Hogwarts were getting news was, now I'm wondering whether I'm actually making this up or if it was from <laughs> um, Year of Darkness or something like that. But I have read somewhere, anyway, that people were getting some of the news in the inside of Weez's packages. Mm-hmm. The twins were concealing the stuff that they found out about what was going on with Harry and co. inside of their packages that they were allowed to send in. I think, now that I think about that, I think it might have been from Year of Darkness rather than canon because yeah, they didn't canon. have much chance. I to think they were listening to Potter Watch that. in the Room of Requirement, though. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Is that canon? I don't think so either, but... I could be wrong. We'll have to review our seventh book here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Too many facts. We need to yeah. We need to do a reread before the movie comes out. <laughs> yes, folks, it has been that long. But while they're talking, there's a knock at the door. And so They have to confirm that it's really Arthur. Right. I like Fred's question. What yeah. product do you regret selling in your shop? It's proving an instant darkness powder. Yeah. And you know, if you're my father, you'll tell me what your greatest ambition is, and it's to know how airplanes fly. You gotta love that too. <laughs> yeah. And they. Yeah, decide- I like how they. She just. She um juxtaposes a moment of levity with Fred. Mm-hmm. Fred question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like almost like it's like he chose that question like it was to atone almost because he has to keep reminding himself of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, me too. And, and that's true. You know. I can see them regretting selling that because as much as for our side, it would be a good thing, you know, in the hands of the others, it turns yeah. out not to be. It's too accessible for everyone when they're selling it in their shop. Yep. But we find out that they're going to stay for tea and... Molly has to get out some new extra cutlery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and of course, we have another seating change. And, and this time she doesn't feel like cooking. No. Nope. Because this is not the way Christmas should be. No, Christmas should be for families, and almost all of her family is not there. And even all the extra people she's invited haven't been able to come. Yeah. So, and I like, you know, because we've read the canon, we kind of know a little bit more than she does. So she's even upset because she knew that Bill and Fleur would come. And at the last minute, they decided that they can't come either. They're going to spend their first Christmas together at Shell Cottage alone. And we know that's because Ron's there. But Molly mm-hmm. doesn't know that. And, yeah, I can see her, you know. She's used to this great big family. She's used to all this excitement and all these things going on around her. And now it's just the three of them again. And it's got to be so hard. Oh, of course. I just looked up the instant darkness powder. and That's what Draco used to get the Death Eaters into the castle. Right. When Dumbledore was killed. Yeah, that is true. So that's what they're regretting specifically. And so Arthur comes in and says, well, first of all, we have Ginny who's gotten off the train and is in hysterics because Luna is gone. Yeah, she's, yeah. she sobs uncontrollably in Molly's arms because the mm-hmm. Death Eaters took Luna. Right. And Rebel then whispers something in her ear and calms her down. But she's just been surly most of the time since. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she barely comes out of her room. She's sending letters to and from and pacing back and forth. Molly doesn't know where the letters are going, but she knows when they come back because the pacing stops for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. And I suppose she's sending them to all the DA people. Mm-hmm. 
making sure mm-hmm. everybody's, everybody's all right. Yeah, that's what yeah. I think too. Little detail I didn't notice when I last read through this is Remus and Tonks aren't coming because flu travels making Tonks nauseous. Yes. And I wonder whether that's just a detail about her and it always does, or if that's a reference to the beginnings of Teddy. I think it's Teddy. Yeah. But that's another thing that Molly doesn't know, of course. So. Mm-hmm. But, Although by this point, because... They thought she was pregnant and they knew she was pregnant in August. Yeah, they had to because she'll have yeah, the baby okay, before. I mean, he's born in April. He must have been conceived in June. Mm. Is my math right? Something like that. Yeah, I don't know. I'm the Hufflepuff that doesn't do math. What the hell is a Hufflepuff? <laughs> I'm the Ravenclaw. <laughs> July or June, right. sometime in there. Yeah. So yeah, by Christmas they would know. Yeah, and I love. Cookbook. I think mm-hmm. this is just a wonderful thing. It's got all the notes and everything in it. Mm-hmm. Turned Bill's ears blue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although she's not sure that's actually the recipe or if that was something the twins did at the same time. <laughs> but yeah, and it's, you know, everything. It has whose favorite it is, if it worked or if it didn't work. And the ones that she makes the most are completely covered in notes, so she. Yeah. actually doesn't use the recipe itself anymore. And I can understand this. We do this with the, our mm-hmm. recipes. If it's yep. something that we really like, we write, this is good. Or if it's something that we kind of like, work. but we want to change something on, then we just write it on there. So My mom and I do that too. How about the cake that had a big puddle in the middle? <laughs> Are you making cauldron cakes? <laughs> no, it was, I don't know what this cake I don't know what the problem with, was with it. It just that when we took it out of the oven, it had a like a puddle in the middle. Like I don't know if the recipe as printed had too much butter. Now the cake was delicious once you sopped up the puddle. Huh. Interesting. But unfortunately, she can't make any of her recipes this year because nobody feels like eating them. So, and Arthur comes and coaxes her to come sit in the lounge at least, even if she doesn't open her presents. Mm-hmm. So they're going to listen to Celestina. At the very least, because that is a tradition. And even though they don't feel like it's family and Christmas and everything, let's at least try to keep to the traditions because that'll make us feel a little bit closer to the Christmas. I was imagining there, I don't know if it's something that actually would have happened in canon or not, but I was imagining that the Celestina broadcast would be what gets interrupted for the boys to do Pottercast because they know they'll be listening to that. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah, that's true. But it doesn't come up in this story, so yeah. it's tapped up. But still, it's great. And I love that he's calling her Molly Wobbles. Mm-hmm. She calls him dear. And then in the next scene, she wants to cook again, but she's not allowed because they're at Muriel's place and the house elves keep kicking her out. <laughs> yeah, she just wants to do something and Muriel is just... And I can see her too. She's just this old crone and she's just... Every time anybody does anything, she has to remind them what she's doing, what she's giving up for them and putting out for them. Yeah. And, yeah, she's being snippy. Mm-hmm. Kind of reminds me of Petunia in this. Yeah. But and eventually, Molly has a, a mental struggle with herself over various points, but convinces herself to go and she helps the twins with their various wheezes potions instead, because mm-hmm. that's pretty close to cooking. Yeah. And yeah. they knew if she was going to come I like that. Yeah, they did. And the internal struggle is great, you know. What if I... No, they would think you're interfering. But I was great at potions. Yeah, but that was a long time ago. My medicinal potions turn out good. Yeah, but you don't really approve of what the twins are brewing. And, you know, she's just going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth with each other. I love it. Mm-hmm. And, and each time she thinks of something she can do, she's also got an argument for it. But she finally decides to go. And I love that she sneaks an apron out of the drawer before the house elves can see her. Yep. and she walks in and she kind of looks around and she knows exactly what needs to be done and she stirs one and turns down the heat underneath one and you know it's just perfect and they're like yep we knew you were coming George takes her around and tells her about what they're all supposed to be and then we skip to the end of the year mostly 
Yeah. And it's the first time she's ever cooked Fred's favorite things without also cooking George's favorite things. Because she's cooking for the funeral. It's just for Fred. It's heartbreaking. It is. That she's making all Fred's favorites for his funeral. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she needs to go up and get dressed, but she's got scones in the oven, and she's got to finish the toad in the hole, and all of these things, so she can't go up and dress, and she's not sure what she's going to do. Eventually, Bill comes in and says, he'll watch the things in the oven so Mm -hmm. she can go. And she She says, oh, well, when did you start helping in the kitchen? He says, hmm. Well, after you sent me that huge pack of recipes, I got kind of homesick for cooking, so uh, I started. (laughs) I can imagine her doing that. She's sending him off letters and then just decides to send him a bunch of recipes with him. But he wanted some English food, so he decided to figure out how to cook it. Yeah. So she's kind of reluctantly leaves him, but she's also confident in his skills, especially when he says, well, I can always get Fleur to come in and help if I need to. Mm Mm-hmm. So she goes off and gets dressed and all ready. And then they float the last of the platters out to the table. Yeah. And Arthur comes to talk to her and says Fred would be really happy. And she says, no, I think he'd be astonished that George's favorite things weren't there and wonder what he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you mad at George? Why didn't you cook for him? But the thing about this is that all these dishes are prodding some stories about why they were Fred's favorites and what was going on with them. Mm. And apparently the toad of the whole story was really funny, at least to Ron, because (laughs) Neville had to come and ask Arthur about it because Ron was laughing too hard to actually make sense. Right. And so even though it's a sad time, it's still bringing up some fun thoughts too. And yeah, as heartbreaking as the day was, the food she had prepared was uniting everyone here. Yes, she was sad, but she also felt a sense of accomplishment because the people who had come to mourn with her and her family were now tucking into the meal and bringing happiness back to the borough with their memories and stories. Yeah. This is a great line. Mm-hmm. And then Arthur says, okay, we've got to go fill up our plates before Ron eats everything. <laughs> yeah, but it's true. <laughs> Only a Weasley wizard would think with his stomach, she says. See? And then they go off. To Ron had to get it from somewhere, so, you know. <laughs> probably Bill's the same way. I imagine all of them are. Well, because she, she keeps feeding them. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Maybe if she, she she keeps making all this food, they learn to eat it all. It's amazing that they're all as skinny as they are. Ron's got great metabolism. Mm-hmm. Especially the way he eats. And I can imagine... Percy teaching himself how to use six different kinds of fork in reaction to um, everybody else just sort of piling it on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're just like grabbing and eating two-fisted and Percy's trying to, you know, tucks the napkin in his collar and yeah, very Percy. <laughs> I can't even imagine how Percy came out of that family. <laughs> it's all in sort of a protest. It's a reaction to mm-hmm. how things were with his brothers probably. Probably. Trying to say how he can be so much better than Charlie was being or whatever. It's like how my two sisters learned to play the piano. My eldest sister would learn for, you know, the first half of a year or so, and then she'd get bored. And then over the summer, they'd take a break. and It wouldn't really come back until Christmas when the carols would come out and she'd want to play those. So Mm -hmm. then she'd start learning again. Whereas my middle sister kept it up all the time because she wanted to catch up so she could pass Beth and be better than her. So. <laughs> uh, that makes sense. Yeah. I can see that. It's almost like the tortoise and the hare story. You know, the tortoise is just going on, going on, and the hare is like going, zoom, by, and he's like, oh, I'm so far ahead, I can rest for a while. And all of a sudden, the tortoise is ahead of him. He's like, oh, no, I gotta go again, and takes off. So, yeah. Yeah. We got so they had um, there were songbooks that were favorite songbooks and then they each had their songs and the other one wasn't allowed to play that one it was theirs <laughs> <laughs> I think eventually they sort of got over that they both play it now but still this was a really good story yeah and I liked it a lot. like you said I can definitely see cooking being a thread with Molly this way so mm-hmm. sort of takes you through her life and the times that she's cooking things right and I I like the way that she put it together. You know, each of the, the highlights of that particular year and just from Molly's perspective. And, and yeah, I can see her cooking. And I love the, the visual of the cookbook 
with all the different writings in it. And I love that she went and helped the twins with the potions and stuff when they were at Annie Merrill's because she didn't have anything else she could do. And even, I mean, she comes from a family that has always stood up for what's right, even before she was married, well, probably while she was married to Arthur, but, you know, when she was younger. She knows about this, and this is that I can see that as being her subtle way of just, you know, helping out too, helping the, the boys with their wheezes, because we know that some of their stuff probably was going to hinder, at least at Hogwarts, hinder the Caros and Snape as much as possible. And I'm sure that the Weasleys had some stuff going into the war effort as well. Yeah, this yeah. isn't just their frivolous thing anymore, it's actually making a difference. Mm-hmm. And I can imagine Ginny being woken up at four by the knives clinking on the bowl and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Coming down to see what's going uh, on. Oh, yeah. Mom's cooking again. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting to see D.H. from Molly's point of view, because I feel like Molly gets left out of a lot of treatments of the war since she didn't have such an active role. At least, I mean, she wasn't like Ginny at Hogwarts or like the twins and Lee doing Potter Watch or, you know, those kinds of things. That's pretty much the only time. She fights in the Battle of Hogwarts, but she doesn't really do that much during the rest of the year. So it was definitely interesting to see, and I think it was a a very good way of putting it together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm glad we found it. Yeah, me too. I really liked it, and I thought it would be a fun one to get our listeners to give a read to as well. So it's a short one, but still. Yeah, I enjoyed it very much. Yeah. And we might even be able to get some comments from the author, too. Mm-hmm. That would be great. Yeah. I'll send her a message and see what she says. Of course, this won't come out for a year, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the current date is... <laughs> June 20th, 2011. Well, I guess that's it. Uh, if you guys in listener land have any comments, you are free to send them to Potterfic Weekly. Um, come to the forums and... Yeah, join the forums. I think it'll be fantastic if somebody who is just out there listening to the podcast and just, you know, it's like, oh, these people seem really cool, but I can't talk to them. I can't talk to my iPod. It doesn't talk back. But we have forums. You can come join our forums and you can talk to us. You can actually talk to us. And it's potterfixforum.com, in case you didn't know. (laughs) I'm serious. I mean, I'm sure there's people out there who are listening who aren't members of the forum. And yes, we really are this nuts on the forum as well. <laughs> Possibly more nuts than we've been in this particular podcast. Who knows? Yeah. And if you and, want to comment on the story, then you can come and uh, comment on the story too. Yes, there will be a thread on the forums about this episode. And you can come leave your comments. And you can post in all the threads and you can get sorted. Because Sue will sort you. Sort, Sue sorts everybody. I do. Uh-oh. <laughs> and here comes the phone. Hang on. Well, I can't mute it because... It picks up on my end anyhow. And yes, Cody, I realize this is a terribly short episode, but there's only so much off-topic rambling we can do, and it is a one-shot, so, you know, it's more like I'm a sure podcast episode, I guess. <laughs> but when we asked people what they wanted, they, they wanted a mixture, so that's what we're doing. We're going to give some one-shots in here, mixed in with some of the other ones. That's just how it works. Mm-hmm. I have a dog What are we doing next back. time? Um, what are we doing next time? We are starting the Hermione one, I think. Hermione goes back in time. Of course, that would not be one of the recent threads, so I can't just go to it. (laughs) It's called This Time Around. Oh, is that um, Hermione in the Marauders time? So that should be interesting to get into as well. Yeah, Hermione Remus. That sounds interesting. She goes back in time. It was really good. I enjoyed it. So, I hope you guys will too. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, and I guess with that, we'll say good night. Good night. Good night, everybody. Hi again, everybody. We always like to get feedback from the authors of stories that we cover, but it isn't always possible to set up an interview. Fortunately, there are other ways to get in contact with us, and are now thought a few parts of the podcast were worth clarifying or commenting on. Here's what she had to say. I started this story several years ago when my son brought a Scooby-Doo costume home from kindergarten one Friday. 
There was no note of explanation as to why the teacher had given it to him, and he insisted that the costume wasn't supposed to go back to school on Monday. It was for keeps. I think you can see my dilemma. All weekend I thought about what to do about the costume, especially as I stood in my kitchen preparing meals and helping with the washing up. I felt a real kinship with Molly as I worried over what to do about the costume and how to approach the teacher about it the next Monday. The result was the first section of this story. As a writer, I'm fairly picky about following book canon as opposed to things found in movie canon, i.e. things like the extra spells or how Grimmauld Place materializes. I do like how many things were rendered in the movies, but for my own fix I want them to be as close to the original works as possible. Therefore you won't see many new, made-up spells in my stories. Because he was home for Bill's wedding, I put Charlie in the story and not Percy. Sometime at the beginning of D.H., Harry was told that the Order moved out of Grimmauld Place after Dumbledore died because anyone who knew about the house was now a secret keeper. With that many secret keepers, the Death Eaters were bound to find out about it. My premise is that Bill, or another of the brothers, told Charlie, and he volunteered to take on the task of flying to London to see if the house was inhabited, and then make a report to Molly and Arthur. Molly's cookbook collection mirrors my own. I have favorite recipes that I've annotated and dated, dog-eared the pages, and marked with bookmarks. I have several marked with notes like, Don't make this, hubby doesn't like, or make this recipe next time apples are in season. With as much as Molly cooks, I had to show how she kept track of what was pleasing to her family and what wasn't. Another thing about my cookbook collection is that I have a stack of British cookbooks that I use for reference only. I've never attempted to make anything out of them, but any time you read about specifically British dishes in my stories, they come from the titles and descriptions of recipes I've found in those books. She also says that she's listened to the podcast three or four times already. <laughs> Definitely shows some dedication there. We're glad that she enjoyed our analysis and discussion, and hopefully the rest of you listening have as well. I think that's about all there is for this voicemail, so I'll sign off again. Good afternoon, good evening, or good night, everybody. So hold on to the wonder that those books brought to our Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night.